This is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Joined today by Molly Gamble, the Vice President of Editorial Affairs, who's built a wonderful journalism and, and, and editorial team at Becker's Healthcare over the last decade. She talks to us regularly about a couple of the key issues that she's following. Molly, let me tee it up and ask you, tell us about what are some of the key issues you're watching currently? What are some of the key trends you're watching? Yeah, thank you, Scott. Um, the three news developments to share with our listeners today. First was just announced in the past 24 hours, and it's kind of an example of a national news story coming back to healthcare. Um, but in Pennsylvania, a healthcare medical leader is the new interim leader of the university in Pennsylvania was being a national story out of the Ivy League institution in the past few weeks. So Dr. Larry Jameson has now agreed to serve in the interim role. This was announced December 12th. Dr. Jameson has served as an executive vice president of the university for the health system and then as dean of its school of medicine since 2011. So a longtime leader, Scott, and everything I've read about Dr. Jameson, it sounds like he's really highly respected at the university, not only at the medical school and with the health system, but across the different aspects and parts of the of the of the university um, he will replace Liz McGill who announced her resignation December 9th as president of the university after 18 months um, she resigned in the face of pressure from donors and criticism after her testimony at the congressional hearing alongside presidents of Harvard MIT about anti-semitism on their campuses so with Dr. Jameson's elevation up to this interim role overseeing the entire university, um, we have a new leader for the medical school in the, the health system role that he fulfilled, and that's Dr. Jonathan Epstein. He is going to be serving on an interim basis, fulfilling Dr. Jameson's shoes. And Scott, just to connect the dots here, um, Kevin Mahoney reported to Dr. Jameson, who is now going to be the interim leader at the top of the university. Um, he's the CEO of, of the Penn Health System. So the, the medical school and the health system makes up Penn Medicine, and that's where Dr. Jameson is making the, the leap from, from that role into the top of the university on an interim basis until they find a permanent successor for Ms. McGill. Thank you very, very, very much. That's fascinating. And, and I mean, the whole thing with Liz McGill, I mean, the, um, the this whole concept, I, I, I can't even start to comment on the whole situation. And in my perspective, how poorly her and, and Cloyden Gay and the, and the woman the leader from the leader from MIT came across uh, on the concept of genocide of Jews. I can't even comment on how poorly I thought they came across, but everybody has different perspectives on it. Um, let's move to the next story, Molly. What else are you watching in healthcare currently? But it fascinates me to healthcare leader in part appointed to lead the University of Pennsylvania. Fascinating, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So there's a couple other developments happening. One, in both of these, really, Scott, we would love to hear from listeners about them if they are in either of these states or have some ideas and reactions to both of these. But one is 
a, a legislative package underway in Florida. It's in its early days. This looks really, really robust from what we've seen so far. There's two pieces of legislation that are already released, others underway that will be released in coming weeks to the committee level. Um, it's called Live Healthy. And one of the bills that has been garnering some interest from, from readers is around ED diversion. So basically under this bill, Florida hospitals would be mandated to submit plans to the state that would detail how they will help patients access appropriate care settings if and when they present to the ED with either a non-emergent condition or in the process of caring for them, it is found out that these patients do not have regular access to primary care. So these diversion plans that hospitals would need to create in Florida would need one of two things. Either they would need to have a partnership with a primary care group um, or a locally qualified health center, federally qualified health center um, that would help the patient then have a medical home, as lawmakers put it, or they would need to construct and operate a hospital-owned urgent care center adjacent to their ED. Um, so they could easily refer patients to that care setting if it's either found out that their condition they're presenting with is non-emergent. Um, so some interesting questions here. I, I saw readers in the comments. One thing that came up a lot was MTALA, how this will comply with MTALA, which is a federal law. The hospital association in Florida really likes this package. It had really good things to say upon the release of the, the first few pieces of legislation within it. And then I just spoke to a hospital leader in Florida this past week who was really excited, Scott, to start to see some creativity around ED diversion and trying to as much, I'm, I'm sure you've seen the same thing. There's billboards put up about when you go to an ER versus an urgent care center and kind of putting a lot of that work on patients. This would just formalize a lot of that and make sure that hospitals have some skin in the game. The state would need to approve hospitals plans. They would need to resubmit um, data on an annual basis showing that these plans are working. And then um, if changes are needed, the, the state would also ask for adjustment. <clears throat> plans. So something out of Florida, like I said, early, early days of it. Um, this is a bill. So still at the committee level, like changes are likely to it, but nonetheless, kind of an interesting thought to see a state really get, start to get rigorous about ED volumes. No, absolutely fascinating. I mean, both stories and, and Molly, anything else that's top of mind as we head towards the end of the year here? It, uh, another law I was set to kick in next year. I'm not sure what's going to happen with this now, but this is the California Healthcare Worker Minimum Wage Law. Kind of a lot of things out of order with how this has been um, rolled out, Scott. So after the law was announced, which would kick in June 1st, 2024, um, it was found out that in its first year, this law would cost $4 billion in the first fiscal year alone. Shortly after that $4 billion estimate, then the budget deficit was projected for California, 68 billion. So now the governor in California is eyeing what he has called major reforms to this minimum wage law for healthcare workers in California. It's not clear what those changes will be, whether it's the timeline of the law, it's scope and you know how, how many people it applies to, but we're interested in connecting with readers on this. So we're, I think the governor is going to be making some changes and communicating those early in 2024. We'd like to hear from our listeners in California if they have thoughts on this and how it'll affect their organizations. Um, because as you know, Scott, not an easy time for California hospitals or and, and financially, and this was going to be an incremental rollout. So starting in 2024, they would have to raise the wage through 20. 28 or 2033 if you're in a rural area, but we're really interested in what our listeners and readers are thinking about this. No, absolutely fascinating. Molly, again, thank you so much for joining us on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Always great to visit with you. Thank you very, very much. 
Thanks, Scott. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm-hmm.